As I'm sure you all know, Mary and I say the same thing. We've been preaching this worship series on the whole book of the Bible, and we've been doing this for a long time now. Look, we're getting near the end. We're almost done with the New Testament. And then we'll shift back to a little bit more of the minor prophets later this summer. But we're almost there. Look, there's not too much left. And today we're looking at First and Second Peter, but especially First Peter, uh, chapter 5, which is a wonderful scripture. If you've never read it, just you're in for a treat today. I love this text. So if you're here inside the sanctuary, I invite you to follow along on the screens in front of you. If you're at home, grab a Bible, open up a phone, whatever you might need to do to be able to follow along as I read the scripture for us this morning. Listen to God's word. Now as an elder myself and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, as well as one who shares in the glory to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you to tend the flock of God that is in your charge, exercising the oversight, not under compulsion, but willingly, as God would have you do it, not for sordid gain, but eagerly. Do not lord it over those in your charge, but be examples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will win the crown of glory that never fades away. In the same way, you who are younger must accept the authority of the elders, and all of you must clothe yourselves with humility in your dealings with one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him, because he cares for you. Discipline yourselves, keep alert. Like a roaring lion, your adversary, the devil, prowls around, looking for someone to devour. Resist him, steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the gift of God's word. Let's pray together. Gracious God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You know, one of the things I love about the New Testament is that we have these personal letters at the end of the New Testament written by a people to another group of people, and it's such a rich part of the experience of Christianity for us. I know sometimes we might like to think it would be best if the scripture were some kind of objective theology or an objective teaching that says, here, this is what you need to know. But instead we have these very personal experiences and personal ideas and the relationship that they've had with God in their life experiences, and then they try to share that wisdom that has come from those life experiences and that, which, that richness that they've had in their relationship with God. And I think that's exactly what we see in 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter's had such incredible proximity to Jesus. He's had such amazing relationship with Jesus. 
And Jesus has poured so much wisdom into him, into his ministry, into his life. And now Peter's writing this letter to the churches in Asia, which is modern day Turkey area, that entire region. So Peter's writing this letter to Asia and he wants them all to have all of this wisdom that Jesus has given to him and now he's passing it on to them in a very real and personal kind of way. Now we've all been reading the Bible all this year, so maybe you remember Peter's story. Uh, Maybe you already know it, but I just wanna reflect and remember Peter's story a little bit because I do think we see Peter's story emanate through this letter that he writes. So I wanna reflect on it together with you a little bit. As we remember, Peter was one of Jesus' disciples, right? He was fishing, Jesus pulled him out of fishing and he said, drop the nets, come follow me. I'm gonna make you fishers of people. So Peter lived with Jesus, followed him for three years in ministry. And then near the end of Jesus's ministry when he was arrested, Jesus pulled Peter aside and said to him, Peter, before the morning comes, before the cock crows, I, you are going to deny me three times when I'm arrested. Do you remember that part of the story, Peter's story? Peter says, no, Lord, there's no way. I love you so much. I know who you are. I would never do that to you. And then when Jesus is arrested, three different times in the scriptural accounts, somebody comes up to Peter and says, don't you know Jesus? Aren't you a Galilean? I hear the dialect you're speaking in. It must mean that you follow Jesus. And those three times, Peter denies him, and he realized what Jesus said to him came to pass. And Peter's filled with shame, filled with regret, remorse at doing this. And what we hear at the end of the Gospel of John, after Jesus has been resurrected, Jesus goes to the Sea of Galilee and he finds Peter. And Peter had picked up those fishing nets again and was fishing inside of a boat. Do you remember that part of the story? Peter looks and he sees at the side of the lake, there's Jesus. And Peter throws down his net while he's in the boat, takes his clothes off, jumps into the water and swims to the shore to go see Jesus. And they have this deep, rich, beautiful conversation and Peter is reconciled with Jesus. And this time, instead of Peter denying Jesus three times, Jesus talks to Peter and says, Peter, Peter, do you love me? And Jesus says to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And three times Peter, and then Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my sheep. In other words, you're a leader. Don't go back to fishing the sea, but fish the people that I have entrusted to you. You're a leader of this flock, Peter. If you love me, go feed my sheep. Live into the mission and the calling that I've given to you. Go feed my sheep. This is part of Peter's story. And when we reflect on 1 Peter chapter five, I think we can see so much of his own story in his letter that he's written to the churches in Asia. I don't know if you noticed this, but for three times in the early parts of this part of the letter, he does this, uh, the three thing again, much like the three denials and the three restorations. He says something similarly. He says uh, a not but statement. So he says, I want you to tend the flock of God in Asia. Care for the sheep that you're in charge of in Asia, to the elders there, and not do it under compulsion, but willingly, not for sort of gain, but eagerly, and don't lord it over them, but be examples to the flock. 
Peter's own story is woven into this letter that he writes to them. And he wants all that wisdom that he's experienced to be shared with them. When I was reading the scripture this week, I looked at uh, verse 5. And that little quote in there, I'm not sure if you noticed that. Sometimes it's hard to see quotes when you look at the screen. But there's a quote in there from Proverbs chapter 3. And I thought that at first that seemed like a very strange quotation that Peter would have in this letter to Asia that says, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. And I thought that was a strange quotation. But then as I started to reflect more on Peter's own story, it started to make sense to me a little bit more. Because in Peter's own life, when he knew the grace of God the most, it was when he was at his most humble point, right? It wasn't the points where he denied Jesus. Maybe that's when he was his most proudful, when he was just trying to tell people what they wanted to hear and lie about his relationship with Jesus, and he was putting trust in himself that he could get out of a sticky situation. But instead, the points where he saw and knew God's grace most intimately was when he was humble, when he saw Jesus and he just threw everything off, cast everything aside to go be with Jesus and meet him face to face. And there was so much grace that was given to Peter when he was humble, when he was honest, when he was open up with himself and his life before God. And he experienced God's grace in that moment. God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. I think that's a beautiful verse and I think it makes a whole lot of sense given Peter's story. A couple of weeks ago, I got to have lunch with Bradley Schultz, who's sitting in the sanctuary this morning. <laughs> and we had such a nice time having lunch together, Bradley, that day. I hope it's okay if I share a little bit about what we talked about, Bradley, that's all right. Um, you guys, Bradley is amazing. You already know that if you know Bradley Schultz from the years in the life of the church. He's a sophomore now at the University of California, Los Angeles, and he's home for this quarter. And he's grown so much in his relationship with God. It was such a joy to talk to a college student who has just grown leaps and bounds in their faith. And he was living with other Christians in college. And we just had this wonderful conversation. He prayed for the meal. And I thought, you're amazing at praying. <laughs> like, this is such a great joy to, to experience this, to be around this right now. I was so blessed by that lunch. And while we were talking, I asked Bradley, I was like, Bradley, uh, what's your take on kind of how things are going in the life of the church? How do you feel about it? What does it feel like for you? You know, with some of the transition, the changes, the pandemic, all the big changes we've been facing. And Bradley, I hope this is what you said. I think this is what you said. At least this is what was in my mind, okay? Bradley said something to the extent of like, I appreciate the transparency of the church. That anytime there's any kind of decisions being made, elders are praying about it, talking about it, and sharing that information right away with the church so that we are all kind of knowing what's going on. Letters are being written, posts are happening, there's meetings, people are talking. And I thought, yeah, we, we are transparent. And, uh, and, I, and I thought while I was talking to Bradley, I was like, is there any other way? <laughs> Maybe, I guess that's only funny to me because I am, because um, I've been Presbyterian for 14 years, but that's all I've really been in my life in Christianity. And so in a way, this is all I know, is the way of Presbyterian leadership. Now, for those of you who know this, Presbyterian is the Greek word for elder. And we, we gain so much about who we are and our identity as Presbyterians from this chapter in 1 Peter chapter 5. Because Peter's writing to the elders, to the Presbyterians in Asia, and he asks them to lead in a particular kind of way 
to not lord their leadership over the life of the church, but instead to build them up. You know, not to do it out of a sense of compulsion, but to do it, but to do it because you're called, you know, and to do it eagerly, to do leadership in a certain kind of way. And so Presbyterians, our distinctions in many ways comes down to the way we want to lead. And not just the way we want to lead, but to do it in humility, I think. And that's, I think that's what I heard when Bradley was saying that day, being transparent, trying to be transparent in how we lead, how we pray, and how we share that information with the life of the church, to be humble. And in doing so, uh, I have experienced tremendous grace in the life of the Presbyterian Church as a result of that humility and that transparency. And it just made me laugh because it, it did remember in that conversation, oh, there could be other ways where decisions are kind of made behind closed doors and all of a sudden people are in and out and you have no idea why any of that's happening. But instead, information is being shared. So God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. When I reflect on the Pentecost story too that Pastor Mary read to us today, I think we see so much humility in the story too. It struck me as she was reading it today that there was a group of people outside that saw what was happening. All these people from different nations, tribes, tongues, speaking in their own languages, but then they were hearing in their own languages. They could hear, they could make sense of what was taking place. These flaming tongues falling upon them, the spirit was coming upon them, and they were able to worship the living God as who they were. And then there was this group of people outside that said, what, aren't these all Galileans? Like what's, what's happening here, you know? And then that's when Peter has to speak up and has to tell them what is happening here is the spirit of God. But I think when we look at that gathering, there's so much humility that happens in that gathering. People aren't just saying, hey, let's come to worship right now and we're gonna worship only in Aramaic today. So you're gonna need to set aside whatever languages you came from and you're gonna have to speak only in Aramaic today to know what's happening in our worship. It's like, no, the spirit of God was bringing the richness of the various nations and traditions and tribes and languages together and in humility, and in humility holding these things. And the grace of God was so evident and so beautiful at Pentecost. And I'm so thankful for the story and as we celebrate and remember the Pentecost story because, because there was so much grace there. And not just grace there, but I think what we hear in the story too is a, is a bridge to the whole of the life of scripture. You know, God created humanity. God created all of humanity not just one little subsection of humanity, but God created all of humanity. And all of humanity can bring all of who humanity is and bring glory to God in worship. And at the conclusion of the scriptures that we'll hear about in a few weeks, the treasures and the richness of each culture of humanity will come into the city of God and will glorify God together for our distinctives and the uniqueness of who we are. And in that way, being distinctive about who we are, the richness of our experiences, of our culture, in doing that, I think that's humility. I think that's humility in relationship with God. I think it would be pride and proudful to say, don't worship in this language anymore. Don't do that. And that would be what I think God opposes. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble.
This past week on Tuesday night here at Trinity, well, not here, but digitally on Zoom at Trinity, we had this really wonderful gathering of leaders in the life of the church, elders, deacons, team leaders, a variety of other people that were interested in coming to this meeting. And Pastor Mary had this fantastic idea of inviting a consultant from Fuller named Todd Bolsinger to help us think through the next few months of ministry here at the church and facing change from the pandemic and a variety of other things. And I just felt so blessed by that experience and that conversation. And I hope the other people that were a part of it did too. Because what he was trying to communicate to us as leaders, as elders, as Presbyterians, is that sometimes when we are given leadership tasks, uh, there's very simple things to fix. You know, there's simple things to fix. And he calls those technical fixes. That would be like, you know, you need to mow the lawn you know, every couple of weeks. If you don't mow the lawn, it gets kind of wild. But that's a really simple problem to fix. Then you just go mow the lawn, right? You get the lawnmower. But sometimes we face problems in life that have no clear-cut solution. You don't have the right tools or the right people to help solve the problem. So what do you do when you face those kinds of challenges in life? What do you do when you face those kinds of challenges in the church? And Todd said three things. That I, that I just want to share with you all that I thought were beautiful, that I thought were so helpful when you face circumstances and you face challenges that you don't quite know the right solution to the problem. He said three things. He said, if you're a leader, do these three things together. He said, learn. Learn as much as you can. Admit you don't have all the answers to the problems. And I saw, yeah, that's humble. That's humility. To admit you don't have answers to every problem that you face. And then he said, just admit that you're gonna accept there's gonna be loss and change. There will be loss when you face problems that you don't know how to solve. There will be loss. And then third, he says, as a community, love each other and negotiate how you're going to try to balance competing values, right? If you have limited resources, you may only be able to do one thing or the other thing, but in love, in prayer, in the spirit working through you in humility, God will guide you to bring out which of these things is most important for you as a community as you face uncertain circumstances. I heard humility in those three things too. And I thought it was such a good word for our leaders, our Presbyterians uh, moving forward. Learn, loss, negotiate competing values, pray, let the spirit emerge from within. It reminded me of a couple years ago, actually, when, um, when Joanne Finch died in our church and she left her entire state to the church. That could have been a very uh, difficult moment to be able, as leaders, to figure out what to do. People could have fought each other, said, I have this project I want to complete in the life of this church. I know what we should do with this money. But there are really gifted, beautiful, wonderful leaders in the life of this church. Nobody said that in that entire process. They didn't talk about it that way. But they learned what are our needs. They accepted loss. We lost Joanne. We lost a beloved member of this church, a wonderful person. But more than that, they listened to the values around and they prayed so much. And when the time came to discern how to use some of this gift, it just became crystal clear. It was like, it was as easy as possible could be. Grace emanated in that room of your leaders that day because they stayed humble. 
they stayed humble. God's grace was so present with them and it emerged. And we all are impacted by that grace too. I mean, I often think about people this last year have said, we're so blessed to have the live stream this last year. It kept us connected. When I saw David for the first time this morning, I said, I feel like I have actually seen you quite a bit you know, this past year, but this is the first time I've seen you face to face because of Facebook, because of social media. And in a way, it's been a blessing for us to have that live stream, to have that ministry. But that ministry of live stream came out of that praying of the Joanne Finch gift. And so, yes, it was a blessing, but much more so than that, it was the result of leaders in this church that were humble and faithful to God, like what Peter's trying to say here. And when they faced anxieties and worries, as Peter said, they cast their anxieties onto God because God cares for them. And God, through the Holy Spirit, was able to allow them to come to good places to find the next steps in their journey when they didn't have all the right fixes in front of them. God blessed them and gave them that. So I think for us, friends, when we look at this text from 1 Peter chapter 5, God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. So much of this text is poured out from Peter's life. And I just want to read the last few verses to you one more time. Peter faced a lot of suffering in his life, I'm sure, with all the things that were uncertain in front of him. And he says this, he says this, resist him steadfast in your faith, for you know that your brothers and sisters in all the world are undergoing the same kinds of suffering. And after you have suffered for a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, support, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. God gives grace to the humble. Let's pray together. God, thank you for Pentecost. Thank you, God, that you allow people from tribe, tongue, nation, language to bring who they are in their culture and allow it to be a blessing to you, that they can bring glory to you, God, in a whole manner of ways and styles, and that you are the creator of all things. So, Lord, we give you thanks for Pentecost, and we give you thanks for your grace in our life and how you love us and care for us, and you want us to cast all of our anxieties onto you. We pray, Lord, that we would be established, we would be held up and supported by you when we face sufferings and tribulations in front of us. Lead us, Lord, and continue to guide us in worship now. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.